Welcome to the Theatre of Others podcast. My name is Adam Marple, and I'm the co-artistic director of the Theatre of Others. With the COVID-19 pandemic forcing a shutdown and re-evaluation of space and gathering, we at the Theatre of Others are thinking about what stories we need and how best we can share them. We believe space is psychology, and it informs the way in which an audience interacts and reacts to what is presented to them. We create uniquely theatrical events in bespoke sensory performance spaces crafted to encourage curiosity and grant the audience permission to commune with the play. Now that that space has moved online, how can we encourage interaction and action amongst an audience virtually? The Theatre Brothers produces plays that both welcome and challenge the audience. We are committed to international collaboration and are a laboratory that helps artists grow through intensive study of their craft. The Theatre Brothers creates a shared community of artists and audiences for the purpose of exploring the most profound issues of our lives and times. We believe the play watches the audience. The audience is necessary and they are witness to what happens. And you get to be witness to us making that happen. The purpose of this podcast is to open up our process and let you in. We're peeling back the curtain, so to speak, and encouraging you to follow along, to ponder, prod, and question, to join us and criticize us if need be. Being a witness is no passive task, and it requires much from you. Are you up for the journey? On the podcast today from Melbourne, Australia, our co-artistic directors, Woody Miller, and myself in Cairo, Egypt. This podcast contains explicit language. Hi, Adam. Hi, Booty. How you going? I'm doing all right. How are you? I'm really good. Really good? Why is yeah, that? Yeah, I'm really, 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 really good. Really good? Wow. <laughs> What's going on there? I'm in my palace. Oh. Do My tell. husband got me a, um, he got me a, a, a house for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> My husband bought me a house. You sound like a kept woman. <laughs> uh, the dreams. I am living the dream. I am living the mm-hmm. dream. I'm, we, we got a, um, a kind of a, 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 I guess you would, it's not a cottage, it's bigger than a cottage, but it's a home in the forest. It's a home in the forest and it's where I can do my work and, and train and coach and I have a studio and our family can fit. And so it's, it's our second house, but we still have our Brunswick place for, you know, our city life, but I'm doing the whole Moscow thing, baby. I'm doing the whole three sisters thing. Nice. I'm wearing black. All day long, because I'm in mourning for my life. Oh no, you're not. You're celebrating no, your not, life, I'm and not, you're wearing and you're wearing what looks to be a, a cream color sweater. I think it's not cream; it's pink. That's okay. Well, there's very little yes. light, so you know. it's blush. <laughs> <laughs> no, but what's really really great about it is the studio that um, that we have up here is going to be my my recording studio. It's just not ready yet, so I'm in my um, bedroom. Um, podcasting because it sounds good in here, and yeah, I can do it. I can do it on the fly, but we're still just kind of putting things into place. Um, but I'm in a really awesome place. It's because you know how I am when I'm in in the nature. I'm just I'm, I'm I like myself in nature. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And because I'm surrounded by trees, I literally live in a canopy of trees. You know, it's lovely. It's really good. It's really really good. Um, and, and it's only an hour drive from Brunswick, which is like awesome. That's cool. 
So excited. So excited. And Obama's like, oh my God, is this ours? Can we stay? Is this ours? He loves it. And he's actually, he's so much more calm now that he has all the space to run around. That's fantastic. It does sound it And does you'll sound get to see amazing. it. I will get to see it soon. That's true. Yes, because you're coming to Australia. I am coming to Australia, and I cannot wait for it. I, I'm hoping that uh, your immigration, which is notoriously difficult to get through, is nice and kind to me in the midst of this You'll pandemic. You'll be fine. You'll be fine. You'll be fine. You'll be fine. Everything's been opening up. Everything's been opening up. It's, it's like... It's that like whole like this is it. There's no there's no going back. Like we've gone through the worst of it here in Australia, and now they have to open up everything. Like the majority of the population is vaccinated, and every almost everyone's boosted. So it's like we got to open up. Got to open up. Good. So Good. don't worry. You'll be you'll be able to come in. You'll be able to come in. All right. All right. You know. And then we can podcast and we can podcast in Melbourne together. Oh my goodness! What's that going to be you like? You can change be, the intro. We'll, we'll all be in the same room. <laughs> We'll be in the same, yeah, me, you, and Jack. Amazing. And then we'll have like all this echo and everything. We'll probably like some fake. Jack's going to be like, this is going to be a sound nightmare. (laughs) (laughs) Are you going to bring your, are you going to bring your, um, your mic? Of course. Of course. Yeah, baby. I got to bring the whole situation, the whole setup. Yes. Yes. (laughs) I love it. I love it. I like it. I like it a lot. (laughs) But like, can you hear it in my voice? I'm like, I'm really in a different place, like literally, physically in a different place, and my body is totally responding to it. Hey, that's what trees will do for you. I love trees. You know, there's a book I... called The Secret Life of Trees. <laughs> By the way, there's a book called The Secret Life of Trees, if you haven't read it yet. <laughs> if, if you haven't heard us, if you haven't heard Booty expound on this book enough times in the podcast. It's so good. <laughs> it's so good. Do you know trees have feelings? They just have a they just have a longer lag time for when they actually feel it. Wow. But they have emotions. Trees have emotions, y'all. That's that's fantastic. How's your puppy Kali? Ah, uh, she's she's doing so much better. She's mm. she's she's now napping in her little cage. Um Aww. we got her, you know, like she's a street dog. And she's had a rough life, but we bought her a cage and a, and a you know, a bed and some toys. Mm-hmm. And, like, as soon as she saw it, as soon as I was putting it together, she knew exactly what it was. She went to go lay down in it. She just she just accepted uh, all these things. There was no, like, like initial, like, fear or curiosity. It was just like, yes, of course. This is what, um, this is what I deserve after my horrible last two months of life. Uh, this is, yeah. And so... She's, oh my god. She's doing so much better. She's putting on weight, which is a great sign, and mm. she's healing from her surgery, and she looks so cute. And uh, <laughs> she's, Baby. she's she's taking training really well. Um oh, they, good. The Egyptian dogs are called baladi dogs. Baladi. Okay. Um, which okay. which literally means local. Um, okay. and they're dogs that they can trace back to the ancient Egyptian times, and they've just <gasps> basically really? just lived They've just lived in the streets this entire time. They're just, they're, they're basically wild dogs, but they live in the cities. And so, so um, they're really smart, incredibly smart, incredibly smart. When it comes to surviving, they just, it's like, it's like a Bali dog. Like they just know how to get by. Dogs of traffic. Um, 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. But like I said, she, she's taking training really well. She's already basically potty trained a couple of uh, misses here and there, but like she knows everything comes with a treat. So she's learning really quickly. She does. She already knows how to well, sit. Well, you know, the trick is, do you know what the trick is with the puppies? What? Just after they eat, take them out, like give them, it's about probably five to 10 minutes. Yeah. 10 minutes max. After they eat, just take them out. Because they're just, they're gonna they're gonna poop their poopy machines, and that's so, and that's how we got Obama to like be. He was so he only he's only like gone to the toilet in the house twice, and both times it was my fault. <laughs> <laughs> we she's on she's on puppy pads right now simply because we can't take her outside yet because of the surgery and because of the medication. Oh yeah, okay, okay, yeah. So and she's still really little too. Yeah, but one more week, and they say that we can then take her out. One more week, we switch her to uh, hard dog food, and we can take her out and give her a collar and all that. So then she becomes she becomes a, a growing puppy. Aww. She becomes a, a normal puppy after that. Oh, that's so good. Puppies are so good. Yeah. That's the best thing I ever did was to get a puppy. <laughs> I love mine. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's that's actually true because because of Obama, I got a car, and because I got a car, I was like, I want to drive around and be in other places. Then we started thinking about why do we need to stay in the city? We could actually move outside of the city. Do we don't? You know what I mean? And it's all because of Obama. Obama and like opened up my life. Yeah, and now he's loving his life in the forest as well. And now, it, the, actually, was just saying today. He's like, "Our dog is so posh." I was like, um, "Yeah, <laughs> of course it is." He's like, "You Obama two, you two wouldn't have a, a non-posh dog." Yeah, you wouldn't have a non-posh like, dog. I'm like, um, "He's a luxury breed." Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, I got a street dog over here. <laughs> well, it is what it is. It is what it is. <laughs> Well, and that's actually a really good segue into the question that we, we've got some questions yeah, today. So that's right. We got, we we're got talking some about questions. privilege and we're talking about access and we're talking about a little bit of response to our imposter syndrome episode, which is, it was yeah. a quick response, which is, which is really exciting. People are listening. Yeah. People are responding. This was an almost an immediate response. I was, I, I hadn't even listened to the episode myself after releasing it and was already getting <laughs> emails from people or, or like, uh, you know, like thumbs up and hearts on Instagram. It was really surprising. Like this, this one really got some people. They needed to hear this one, which is great. Fantastic. I love it. I really yeah. love it. And, 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 and it's funny because I was like, when, when we finished the, the, the episode, I turned to Jack. Jack was like, good, good. That was a good episode. I was like, really? Was yeah, it? I know. I know. I kind of felt the same way. <laughs> I, I, I like, actually did well. Was it? I was like, okay. I, I, I now just turn to Jack. When Jack gives a thumbs up, I'm like, okay, that's good. Because <laughs> you know he's so particular, Miss, Miss Jackina. She don't play. <laughs> but you know what? It's, it's, fantastic because it's, it's, it's fantastic to have Jack listening in on this as well because, as you have said many times, he knows nothing. So if, he, if, he, if he's hearing these things and it's resonating with him, then that's really good because, like, he has no point of reference to argue with us about. So, like, we're actually touching, you know, kind of like a, a newborn baby. <laughs> oh, yeah. 
Well, he does have that newborn baby glow. He's always had that newborn baby glow. Mm-hmm, yeah. He's 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 nine feet tall and he still looks like a newborn baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Jack's eating his soft fish and, and chips and supple. Soft and supple. <laughs> yeah. He's he's over there eating his fish and chips and wine and laughing at us right now. Yeah. Yeah, crinkling all the paper. <laughs> he's doing ASMR. <laughs> oh, God. I'll read uh, I'll read the question from Alafis. Um I'm Alafis, 31 years of age, Malay male from Singapore, and I've been listening from the very beginning. I've heard friends I know like June and Vinyesh sending in questions. I never imagined myself contributing to the already engaging conversations by the podcast over the two years, but there was something about this episode that really resonates with me deeply. There were many takeaways and quotable quotes. D's get degrees got me cracking. But I really appreciate Adam's provocation mm-hmm. as it prompted me to reread Anne Bogart's book again, those strong final words I've forgotten. My question is my questions are, and we'll do these one at a time. So question number one. Does imposter syndrome have any correlation with one's socioeconomic background, or does it affect those of lower socioeconomic status more significantly? I think it's kind of embedded in the 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 Cinderella syndrome you know what i mean like the grass is always greener on the other side but i think the thing that needs to be addressed is that it all stems from feeling inadequate and everyone has those moments of inadequacy yeah and socioeconomic background it, it feeds into it mate you know, I, I know because I come from, I come from the mud. Um, and <laughs> I, 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 you know, like I had to fight, I had to fight all my life, you know, and it's, and, and I come from, I come from a family that's not artists, you know, and so I really had to pave the way. Um, and, but I had the, I had the, the privilege of being in America. Where there, you know, if you push hard enough, you can find, you can kick open a few doors, if not all the doors, you know, um, to where you feel that you are getting a, 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 a leg up, regardless of the access to training and curriculum. Um, so I think that, I think the, the bigger question is to really look at the value of, how you engage your work and not worry about that other stuff. It's like this, it's like the same advice that we gave when we did the podcast of like the inadequacy that one feels is all an illusion anyway. Mm-hmm. I mean, this, if you, I just, I love that, that, um, Don Miguel Ruiz Jr. <laughs> uh, introduction to his book is because it's like, Everyone is drunk. <laughs> so it's like, if everyone is drunk and feeding off of their drunk, their drunkenness of their habits, of their ego, of their insecurities, of their, of their power, of whatever it is, you can step back and still be inside of yourself, which will ultimately feed into your artistry. Because the kind of person you are in real life is the person you're going to be on stage. You know, the, the, the ability to, to, to be aware 
and connected and grounded, that's the body that's going to be on stage. If you, if you can't do it in your real life, how do you expect to do it in other, in other aspects of your life, which is your, is, which is your art? So I would say to, to, to go one step deeper, Hafiz. You know, it's, it's, you trained with me in Bali. It's the same, it's the same process, process, the same practice. This is like, I was thinking practice and process. It's the same praxis. Hey. 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 Maybe that's where I came from. Um, but, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. And I, and I, I can hear your worry and I can hear your letdown. I can hear your frustration and I can hear your desires. And I would say, listen to those desires and that energy and, and see what kind of ways you can invest in your artistry in a different way. I mean, the, the, um, was it the David Geffen, uh, school of drama at Yale is now free, <laughs> you know? So anyone in the world can apply and you don't have to worry about what it's going to cost. You do have to invest in what it takes to apply to something, to a school like that. And you are good. You're a very good actor. Um, and from, from what you've been telling us that you're, you're bring, being brought in as understudy, you know, it's like <laughs> understudy is usually better than the actor, you know, cause they have to, they have to know everything and several roles. And be able to go on at any moment, you know. But I, that's kind of going into the other question. But I think the biggest one is to to just take a pause when that when that that feeling comes in, and just get into contact with it. And I would say write. I would say make art. Those moments when you feel like like that that literally happened to me today. I was like. Ugh. Some, some news had come in and, I, and, and so my, so my, my, um, my, my traumatized COVID self. And I'm, I'm saying my traumatized COVID self because it's things that I developed over COVID, just like the anxiety from, from COVID mm. started to come in. Yeah. And I was like, Oh my good. And I couldn't shake it off. And I draped over a pillow just to get, get into my breath. And it was, it was, it, but then Obama wanted to play. And I was like, okay, I need to get up and I need to move. I need to get my organs moving and get my, get into my legs and get it, get into my body. And then I, and I need to put this energy into something else. So I put the energy into the PhD performance that I'm, I'm developing and, and, and going into, and going into areas where this, this, this energy could really feed off of, of this trauma that uh is still like a residual response to certain things. Um so I would say those are the moments you need to get up and make art, get up and get in your body as opposed to uh sit back and 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 fret and 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 put yourself down cuz you don't need to do that. I mean, uh just my two cents on this. Uh the answer to your question is yes, obviously, but Everything Booty was just saying. Yes, of course. And also, what are you going to do about it, though? Get up yeah. and make it anyway. That's the only thing that you can do. <clears throat> Get up and make it. I, I say this. I say this as a uh, not quite poor white trash kid from the United States, but still white male and from the United States. So having that privilege along the way. But also, yeah. and I've witnessed his privilege. I've 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 witnessed his privilege firsthand, y'all. You know. On many, yeah. on many occasions 
and and his blindness to it. And then when they finally woke up to him, like I told you, <laughs> he's yeah. like, "You were right." I was but, like, "Yes, I was." <laughs> is exactly you're 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 blind you're blind to some of the privilege because you're focusing on uh, what you don't have. So my entire life, the story that I had for myself was I was a poor white kid. I couldn't get into the, you know, I couldn't afford this. I couldn't do that. I, I didn't have these opportunities without realizing that there were all kinds of opportunities that I was having that other people weren't having. So that is, that's yeah. a narrative, that's a narrative that we have. So while In their focusing, own country. Yeah. While focus, so while focusing on the slights and things that I didn't have, the slights and the things that, that weren't happening for me, I wasn't recognizing what was happening for me, you know. Mm. Um, it's not to say that, that, you know, those slights weren't valid things, those things that were happening, the, the struggles that I had weren't real, but it also didn't negate the fact that other struggles were also real for other people that I was, I was in a place of privilege for that. So it's not at all to say if he's that, you know, you are not aware of any kind of privilege that you may have, but it's a thing of saying like, you can't focus on that. You, you can't. You, you can only focus on what you can do and what you can change. So, Yeah, yeah. All right. Second question from it's him. Number two. Number yeah, two. Number How two. do you deal you, – you kind of alluded to this. How do you deal with projects in which you may be hired as a replacement actor or an understudy of a role performed by a headliner actor in which the chances you perform might be slim – or hired specifically for token representation. In essence, such projects that make you aware that you weren't necessarily a first-choice pick. All right. I've got two responses to this. The first one is, you heard it already, it's like, the person who is the the swing or the understudy, they're the one that is actually more talented than the, the lead. <laughs> That's a fact. Because the skill that it takes to be the swing... There's even there's even that um uh uh Hugh Jackman actually there's a video of Hugh Jackman uh congratulating one of his um what the swings that that yeah. came in came on and performed and like at the at the curtain call he was like y'all don't understand like the swings are the backbone of Broadway. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And and that that's something that you need to really undertake in and understand. Um and then the other thing is that like Mate, second place, third place, fourth place, you got the job. Yeah. It doesn't matter. You got the job. You know, and it's like you look at you look at the the cast of um of uh uh what is it the the fear of the dog? What's it called? The the dog something dog the, the Benedict Cumberbatch movie? Power of the dog. Walk the dog. Power of the dog. <laughs> Power of the dog. Power of the dog. Um, the most of that cast is like B cast because of COVID. <laughs> like they couldn't get, they couldn't get who they actually wanted. Cumber, <laughs> Benedict Cumberbatch was the one that they had, but the rest of the, the rest of the company, Kirsten Dunst wasn't the first choice. Kirsten Dunst you know? is usually not the first choice for things. Yeah, but you know, but that's that's. But she got the motherfucking job, and now she's in a, a a film that's got all these nominations and winning all these awards. You know, she's not winning awards, but she's a part of a project that's winning awards. Yeah. You know, and it's and and I think I I think uh, Hafiz, I think what's happening is that you've got your eye on the wrong part of your work. You're focusing on the wrong part of your work. 
So like in Hinduism, I've spoken about this many times. Um, the number is two. The, the power number is two. It's when Lord Shiva looks into the eyes of his wife Parvati and says, through you, I know myself. But one plus one equals two. So the first one is you. The other one is whomever the object, person, or space that you're in. That's the, that's the other one. That's the two. But you have to fully be in the one to understand what's happening with the other one that's making the two. <laughs> so turn your focus inward and keep doing your work and being really happy that it is actually a privilege to be cast and being able to be in a show. It's also a privilege to be able to turn down work. The most sought after actors are the ones that aren't available. Mm. So the fact that there, there are moments that you're not available and they still are trying to get you, that's, that's, that's giving you the information that you need. I'm kind of alluding to the next question. <laughs> it's kind of this spilling into good. each question. No, it's yeah. good. Um, so I, that's, 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 uh, that's my response to this question. I, I think it, I think it's, I think there's, uh, some bruised ego going on in that one, Hafiz. Hmm. Well, let's talk, let's do the third one then. Uh, let's, since you're already kind of heading that direction. Uh, Booty, can what, you explain? What, yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. What? What's the third one? No, because uh, I was like, because I, I, I think the third one is a, is a, is a completely different one, but I was thinking about like, I don't know. Okay. Let's just, yeah, let's go, let's go into the third one. Let's go into the third one. Okay. Booty, can you explain louder than a critic, faster than worry? Yeah. Well, when you, are fast at anything, you don't have time to worry about it. So if you are, you, <laughs> it's kind of literal. Like, be quick on the draw. Pick up the tempo. Don't. It, it's it, and it's it's it comes it comes along with the, your clown training. So uh, faster than worry is the speed of fun, right? And and louder than the critic is the speed of fun. Louder than the critic means that I'm going to be so loud that I won't have time to judge what I'm saying. So fast at it and so loud, I won't have time to judge it and worry about it. So, for example, the speed of fun is not this. That's pretty slow. It gives me time to worry about if it's slow, fast or slow enough, right? It's pretty soft. So I can, I can make sure that I'm not heard, you know, you know, and, and, and not worry. I can I can I can worry about the I can worry about uh and taking control of see even when I do it it puts me in that really shitty place like I'm clapping like that and it's I can't even, I I'm starting to judge given the feedback and given the I'm like no this is and it and it's not this that's just fucking crazy and manic that's just trying to get through and like chop someone's head off and get out of here but this. This is fun. This is fun. It's also the speed of Kachak. So it's, so, you know, it's, that's the speed of fun. And actually when I was doing it, I couldn't do anything but be in it and have fun with it. I couldn't explain what was happening. So the very, the very nature of me trying to explain the speed, speed of fun 
at the speed of fun is kind of impossible because it forces me to have to be in the moment and the rhythmic uh, speed of now. Yeah. So that's what I meant by louder than the critic, faster than worry. You know what it is. You 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 did it in Bali. <laughs> That's good. Is that everything? That's fantastic. That's everything. You cover. We covered all of that. Well, look. And that's a, and and I, that's actually a great segue. Is it? <laughs> yeah, because I had a lot of fun doing that, but there was a clear <laughs> message underneath oh, everything I was saying. I see. I see how you're. I see how you're sagging. Sagging this way. I'm sagging. <laughs> I just gotta sag on it. Put a sag on it. Mm-hmm. If you want it, then you put it. Then you could have, should have put a sag on it. If you need That's it, the then you gotta version. put a sag on it. Yeah. If you want to put a sag on it, put a segue on it, boo boo. Yeah, because this is the thing. That version. This is the thing. Times they are changing. People are mm. changing. Mm-hmm. People are waking up. Mm-hmm. And the very nature of doing something is political. Even if you don't want it to be political, it's political. Everything is political. If you're having fun, okay, so I'm not, you know what? I'm not even, I'm not even gonna, I'm not even gonna start until, what are we talking about, Adam? (laughs) I shared an article with Booty this week that has gotten Mm -hmm. him. Yes, he did. Boiling. Has got him boiling, and he and I. I thought maybe maybe this would be a good topic to talk about this week. I'll see what everybody wants to say, and then Booty was <laughs> on fire with it. Now this came basically from a conversation I was having in my viewpoints class this week, where an actress in my class said, "Can't theater just be fun? Can't we just have you know good entertainment where we don't have to have a message, we don't have to say anything, we don't have to? Can't we just be good and just fun?" and of course, I couldn't just leave it like that. I had to, you know, needle and and kind of push the actress a little bit more about this. And literally the next day, I found this article, which will be in the show notes so you can read it yourself, um, about theater as entertainment and two critics kind of arguing that they're tired of hearing uh, messages in the theater. And can't we just get back to good old uh, healthy um hearty fun like you know like the music man where it's just it's just good fun just good entertainment where we can just go home whistling the the tunes and not have to worry about life life is hard enough as it is can't we just can't we just enjoy theater and that's the I that's the gist of the article really big question <laughs> i think i know what and this question is going to be for me <laughs> yeah are they white men <laughs> I knew that was going to be the question. <laughs> uh, it is a white man and a white woman. Yes. Oh. Okay. Yes. So now that we know where they're intersecting from, <clears throat> I think we're dealing with aesthetic versus politics. And you can't separate the two. No, no you can't. What you find funny is intrinsically linked to your political narrative. 
and seen. <laughs> I, I mean, like, I, when I was reading this article, I wasn't actually getting angry. I was just going, wow, it, it just keeps showing its, it's, it keeps rearing its fucking ugly head, doesn't it? Imperialist, white supremacist, capitalist patriarchy just keeps, cause this is the thing. The fact that they are still calling those, um, musicals fun when the narratives are well, because we talked about this before with music, specifically with musicals, right? We talked about this before. I was like, oh my goodness, good, good. Do you think that like musical theater like is one of the reasons why racism is so strong in America? Because it's this, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's like it's intrinsic. They're intrinsically supportive of the narratives that that undermine other cultures and demean other people. And it's like the 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 day and age of 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 excuse my um language everyone because i'm about to say something that's going to probably offend someone the day and age when we use words like midget and 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 laugh at it and think it's funny it's not funny it's just not funny just like the n word is not funny you know and it, it just and 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 removing and removing language like iniquity from from the shakespeare canon don't need it say spendthrift i you don't you don't need it and this, the 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 day and age of like the good old times donald trump the good old days make america great make america great make america great again I'm a, I am a, I am an American supporter. I am a fan of America. Those days are fucking over, mate. I'm sorry. And there were a lot of really fabulous musicals that were funny as fuck that had really strong social commentary, but weren't putting into your face. That's, that's just the good writing. Yeah. Passing Strange, Stu. Come on. And it's like, and and then they were then they brought up they brought up well you know if you're gonna if you're going if you're going to do the music man and you're gonna make you're gonna make one character slightly woke and then still do the music man like what is that point I agree with that don't do the yeah. music man don't do the music man exactly <laughs> don't fucking do the music man because the thing is why do we want toxic masculinity and why do we want to sing about toxic masculinity because it hasn't been it hasn't been working out for us y'all. Mm. It's not Whatever going so well. Be learned or not learned, being learned from this musical. Yeah. Do you know that the research that's coming out about uh, what's happening with the climate and the climate change and why we're never going to be able to um, get through this is because it is all because of white supremacy. We are, the planet is literally in a situation that it is in because of white supremacy. Because the nations that are hurting and the nations that are whose resources are being are being stripped are the brown nations, are the black and brown nations. So 
you know what? You can't. You can't do those anymore. Because we're talking about an environmental issue now. We're talking about the survival of our species. And I'm going to say it again. If you put it on stage, it's already political. Why? Because it's for the community. Anything for the community is political by nature. So doing something frivolous and pointless, what you're calling frivolous and pointless, may not be frivolous and pointless to another body in the same space as you that doesn't live in your privilege. You know, and it's like, read some Sarah Ahmed. Read some George Yancey. Read some Bell Hooks. I mean, it's, it's, those days are over. Just like slavery, those days are over. Just like Nazi Germany, those days are over. Sorry. Sorry that you have, you, your, your humor and your aesthetic is still embossed in your white privilege. I told you, I told you he was hot, folks. <laughs> I told you he was hot. <laughs> I want to read, I want to read just, I want to read just one wait, before, section. Be, wait, wait, before you read one section, I want to say something else. Okay. And then I go off again after you read one section. Okay. I had, I had a, I had a, uh, a conversation. It was. It's just coming off of some great work that our third year actors at at uh, the VCA are doing. We're we're talking about aesthetic as we're going into their branding and their own personal aesthetic. And and we were, they were we got to a section on elitism, and they had brought up um, and they they brought up travel, and they were really they're, they're so fucking smart. You know, this third year class, they're just they're just so awesome. And um, they brought up one of the things of the elitism was travel. And I, I, they, it hit a nerve and I just went on this whole diatribe because I was like, yes, you're right. I agree with you. Cause I was thinking about this, like where I am right now in my research is like, I'm looking at all the like intercultural practitioners that are working on hybrids are all white men and white women that bring their white students with them to train and develop their hybrid intercultural practices. It's like Philip Zerilli. Yeah. I knew him when he was alive. Met the guy. Yes, but he had the privilege to go to India with his white students. And, and it's it, the, the most alienating thing for me when I was going throughout my work and practice was like, I don't see any, my, I don't see my body anywhere. I don't see any black people anywhere. So the very nature of who I am is filling the gap of knowledge because none of the things that I'm doing are connected to any colonial hands or idealizations at all. It's my African-American diaspora with the Balinese performing arts training. And that's it. You know, and so it's, and, and that has space and we need more opportunities for practitioners and writers and dramaturgs and playwrights and designers and I mean you name it to be on that on to be on that big stage because the other thing mate the audience wants when they they want to see this they're buying the tickets they're putting asses in the seats okay I'm done <laughs> Ooh, hot. 
<laughs> so hot. It's because I'm. It's because I'm in the nature now. I'm in my canopy now. I'm. In, I'm. My roots are in the earth. My feet are on the ground now. <laughs> read. Read a section so they can so they can join us in this conversation, Adam. Okay. So like this is this is like paragraph two. I mean, it gets. It's. It's not a long article, but like this doesn't even get into really what 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 Booty has been talking about. But this, this is what stopped me. I stopped on paragraph two and I said, I, I need to have a conversation about this. <laughs> I wonder if the expectation that theater must do more stems from the anxiety of being one of the least efficient, least efficient, most expensive forms of entertainment. If you're going through all that trouble and charging a premium for it, shouldn't the art make its viewers better citizens and people? Shouldn't it change lives? But I'm not sure the didactic approach to theater with playwrights and actors assuming the role of teacher is really achieving that. I partially blame the university takeover of theater training, which has injected an element of dull academia into too many plays. With so much spinach on the menu, I think we're rapidly approaching a period in which theatergoers will crave something purely delicious, but not necessarily nutritious. And that's okay. Go fuck yourself. Okay. Now, you and I had this conversation before about how institutions destroy art and how institutions uh, have changed the way that actors training is done. We've, we've had this conversation extensively, but I think this, 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 this airbrush of blaming an institution for deepening the and enriching the knowledge that's happening on who wants to, it's dramaturgy, motherfucker. Yeah. You yeah. want you want a, you want a play up there and, and a musical up there that's not fully dramaturged, yeah. That isn't enriched by the depth of the worlds that they are sharing with, for a hundred and fifty three hundred dollar fucking ticket. Yeah. I, I I mean the reason I stopped there is is this is this sentence of. Um, one of the least efficient, most expensive forms of entertainment that we're charging a premium for. Basta. Stop right there. Stop right there. Like, yes, yeah. we are an incredibly wasteful medium. And yeah. by the very, by the very economic nature of what we're having to do, we are also having to charge a lot more than any other entertainment out there. And we're going to yeah. give them really, let's be honest, not a great amazing entertaining time yeah it's so we had for something 300 dollars 300 dollars where take i don't home and talk to your family because the yeah. thing is once again theater is political whether you fucking believe it or not it is i'm sorry it is and you can't and there's nobody out there that can change my mind and i wish somebody would send the question and send a provocation to me to get me to change my mind that theater is not political because i disagree and i would love for oh, you to try yeah. to change my mind because i want to get into this conversation a body on stage being seen by a crowd is by its very nature political. Being in yes. a space with strangers by its very nature is political. Yes. Any words that come out of another person's mouth and is taken in by a crowd is political. It is. It just is. Mm -hmm. It doesn't – now, it does not mean that we are connecting politics to liberal or conservative or whatever. But in the terms right. of as a civics – as a citizen, as a community, that is what is happening. Theater is political. It does not mean that we have to do political theater. Those are two different things. But theater is mm. political. Not all theater is political theater. 
Amen. Amen. But I think I, I think it's this is where this is where um, I get frustrated. I get frustrated with shouldn't we be talking about something more interesting? Yeah. Why? Why do you not like this work? Yeah. Because they aren't answering the why. Uh -uh. They're not even dipping their toes around it. They're just going straight to what and how they want it to be done. Yeah, so why? Because that why would force them to investigate their white privilege. I hope they listen to this podcast. Will someone please send this podcast to them? Because they need to hear this. And I would yeah. love for them to come onto this show. And I'd love to have a conversation with them. I mean, this is it's, it's theater mania. It's theatermania.com. Like, I mean, we all have to know somebody that works there. <laughs> it's, okay. Y'all know the, somebody who works the, there. It's one of the largest websites about theater in the United States. I mean, come on. Theatermania.com. Send this podcast to them. I want to have a conversation with them. And I really want to know why. I want to know why. Cause it's, it's like, because this is, this is, this is the problem. It's when you get put in a position where you can kind of dispout out these scenarios without really investigating them, then people take on this behavior and going, ah, oh, why does everything need to be so political? Ah. Uh, and then it becomes this Coca-Cola thing where like everyone's fucking drinking the fucking sauce on the fucking sauce and they're all watching Fox News and they're getting the news and they think that everyone in Australia is in concentration camps because Fox News says we're all in concentration camps when we're actually abiding by the the laws of the CDC and the the World Health Organization by keeping our citizens safe from dying from a pandemic and that's where the problem comes into play. Because then we'll start getting, then we'll start getting those fucking shows. We'll, we'll get that sound of music right back up there. I know. I love, I love this, back up there. this sentence right here. Um, how will Neil Simon survive in this new world? <laughs> He's dead. <laughs> that sentence as, as like, as a, as a, at the end of a paragraph to like wrap up the point, how will Neil Simon survive in this world? First off, Neil Simon is dead. Second off, yeah. should Neil Simon survive in this world? In do this we world. need do we need Neil, Neil Simon anymore? Now, that's not to negate Thank his you. writing. That's not to negate what no, he has not. done in the past. But do we need him anymore? There's a reason we don't do uh, uh, Dion Busico anymore. There's a reason we don't do <laughs> Eugene Scribe anymore. Do you know who those playwrights are? No. I no. mean, you know, Booty and I do. Maybe maybe some people who are dramaturgs know who these people are. There's a reason we don't do them anymore. It doesn't make sense. Yes. It, it doesn't it, it's just not it's not what it is. It was great for the time that he was writing. And all of his writing is not all the same. He was a very good writer, very uh, well-regarded writer, but in 2022, his writing doesn't make a great deal of sense. Well, I'm about to say something that's going to hurt a lot of white people's feelings. Why do we need to do Tennessee Williams? Well, okay. Why? Why? Why, white people? <laughs> Why, white people? I know, I know you're mad at me now. I know you're mad at me. I'm not mad at you. 
I know you ain't mad at me, but I know I know somebody out there is mad because they don't work so hard on their southern accent. They're oh, and oh yes, y'all. I'm about to say it. I'm about to say it. I am about to motherfucking say it because this is an actual term. I'm not making this shit up. Remember, I'm also a motherfucking voice specialist. It's called plantation Southern English. Ooh. Oof. Oof. So I don't work real hard on my plantation Southern. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those of us from the South, we call that rich Southern. But yes, mm-hmm. it is. Yeah. Those of us from the South, we don't sound like that unless you do live on a former plantation and your family has been in the South for generations. And if your family has been in the South for generations and you and you are rich, you probably own slaves. And it's not even cute. It's not even, you know what I mean? It's not even cute. If your family owns slaves, that is, your family, you come from a family of murderers. Someone sent me, oh, it was Yao. Yao sent me this, this, um, this photo of this artwork. Oh, it was, it, uh, he sent this to me and it's like these little wood head carvings. Uh, and it's called, it, it's called, um, uh, uh, Mayflower. And it's wood and mixed media. Uh, it's by Marisol, Venezuelan-American, born in France, uh, 1930 to 2016. And this, it's like, it's, it's like a, um, it's a wooden box with a, with a glass front. And it's just got, it's a bunch of carved heads and it's called Mayflower. And there's a bunch of like, to- they look like totem heads, but they look like monsters. If you look really closely, they look like fucking monsters. So imagine being a native person and seeing that coming at you. Murderers, future murderers, villains. <laughs> As the Native American called them, the stinky white people. Because water wasn't potable in England, y'all. And they came and they were funky and stinky and they're drinking their piss and washing their clothes with piss. And then they saw these beautiful Indigenous people connected to the earth, drinking fresh water, only taking what they need. And they needed to have it. So much so they did, they would do anything to get it. So they gave them smallpox and these beautiful gifts of blankets that they gave them in fealty and love. Sorry. It's, it's, thanks, Yao. That's a beautiful work. And yes. <laughs> And that's the power of art. I think art itself in its... Fuck theater. Art itself is intrinsically fucking political. Expression is political. Artistic expression is political. This article got me going, Adam. I know. (laughs) Unfortunately, it's not likely to get my class glow going, and I sent them the same article. We're probably not going to have the same conversation. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it helped. Well, you've already you've already required them to listen to the podcast, so then maybe this will get them boiling. 
we did not even take a break. It this is this is we were hot, hot, hot today. You it's were because hot. you know, well, it's because I'm you know what because I'm because I'm in the canopy, y'all. I'm in the mm. canopy, and I'm I'm in, I'm in the nature, and I'm I'm in my I'm in my I'm in my I'm in my power. And this is what this is what happens to you, y'all. When you when you are in your power, you can flow. I have I'm energized. I'm actually energized by this conversation. I remember there, there were times, in the, and I think that's something that happens to uh, your younger listeners out there. It's like, God, I wish I could get into the flow like that. It's like I trust me. This this came over time, and also it came through research. It came from reading and having to write things down and to understand why why I felt the way I felt or, or why I felt the way I felt about a reading. But to to kind of be have like a dialectical objective point of view takes time. But now I can do it with a little bit more a little bit more heart in it as well. Because my heart used to be bigger than the ability to just kind of frame it into, oh here we go again. Uh this is okay, I need to be clear and articulate about this. And I just would just stutter and I just would be just a burst of like a nuclear reactive energy. So it happens over time, y'all. And like I said it before, and I'll say it again, it's all about being connected to the nature. The First Nation people, they were right, and they still are right. The indigenous communities have always been right. And they are going to be the only way we save this planet. Um, I think we need to take a break and then come back with some provocations. <laughs> yes, for those who are still listening, uh, we'll take a break, <laughs> come back with some provocations. <laughs> it's a heavy podcast today. Ooh, today's podcast. <laughs> well, the heat is on, y'all. The heat mm-hmm. is on. You know, the heat it's like is on. Mm. it's on the mm. streets. <laughs> The heat is on. Well, and I think it's also connected to um, uh, what is it? Where it's like existential creativity, you know? Like the time is now. Life is that is 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 on the line for everything we do now. You want to have a family? What kind of family are you bringing into the world? You want to make art? What kind of art are you bringing into the world? Because you know what? It may be the last print that our species can make. Because we only got one planet, y'all. Mm. <laughs> so let's take a break and uh, come back with some provocations. Uh, Jack's music is gorgeous. It's just simply gorgeous. We're so lucky to have him. Take it away, Jack. Take it away.
back. Thank you, Jack. That was so pretty. So, so pretty. You're the best. Yeah. Okay, Adam. Provocation time. You yeah, got a provocation? I got a provocation. Yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna save this for another time, but I think this, and I think this will probably be another podcast we do down the road. But I want to go ahead and uh, have everybody look at this. Uh, I'm gonna put this in the show notes uh, so they can see it. But I was reading an article in New York Times, um, and this is about a production by Katie Mitchell, British uh, playwright, who. Um, is doing a production that is called uh, Play for the Living in a Time of Extinction. And it's a beautiful, beautiful play. Uh, and the play is great, but the play is not actually the most important part about this process. She has started a process wherein all electricity for the play itself has to be produced by the members of the cast in the play. So there are two bicyclists or four bicyclists on stage the entire time pedaling to create the electricity to power the lights and the sound and everything else on the stage for wow. the play itself. It's completely off the I love the it grid. already. And so um, she a has play taken that's completely the, off the grid. I love it. It's a play that's completely off the grid. And so she's taken this uh, initiative and she is working with a theater company in Switzerland, in Lausanne, Switzerland, the Vidi Lausanne Theater. Uh, and they have come up with something called the Sustainable Theater Initiative. And instead of buying the rights to the play, you're buying the rights to a sustainable theater handbook, wherein you can create sustainable theater on your own. Oh, they, they basically wow. show you how to build the engine, build the motor, build the... The oh, whole setup wow. to do that. And um, Egypt is hosting the COP27 this year. So, um, and the university has a new president, and his kind of real interest uh, is in climate impact and sustainability. So, we're looking into, I'm looking into trying to see if I can get this uh, and work with this and, and do something with this. I'm really quite fascinating as I, as, as I always say, theater is an incredibly wasteful medium. Um, mm. I'm, I'm interested in obviously the play itself, what the play is saying, but I also have to be cognizant as a director of how we are saying those things as well. So uh, check this out. It's a fascinating article. Um, it's wow. really, really beautiful as well. So it's not just, you know, crappy, poor theater aesthetic. It's actually really quite beautiful. Um, so check it out. It's in the show notes. Um, Play for the Living in the Time of Extinction by Katie Mitchell. That's a really good provocation. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to go in a completely different direction. Okay. I want y'all out there that disagree with me to send <laughs> in your complaints. I want your complaints. <laughs> Complaint box. Yeah. Yeah. I want you, I, if you are completely against anything I'm saying on this podcast, I want you to send me your rebuttal. This is something I've, I care quite passionately about. And I want to hear from those of you who disagree with me. And it's funny because there was a day and an age where I didn't care and I didn't want to <laughs> hear from people. I was like, fuck it. They're, they're, I actually want to hear from y'all. If there's anything I say that really offends you and you and you want to have a voice, I want to give you a voice. And I wanna and I wanna address it. Yeah? 
Yeah. If you dare. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I seriously do. I want to, because I, because I want to continue this conversation because it was like, remember when we had, I had a student um, in Singapore and it was a musical theater student and they said that I wasn't an acting student. I was an acting student. And they were like, yeah, but we're actors. We're not allowed to be political. And that was just like, I don't even understand how you could even breathe that sentence. Yeah. I really don't understand. So please help me understand. Send me your comments. Send me your comments. And how can they do that, Adam? Well, they're going to go to speakpipe.com backslash theater of others. Again, speakpipe.com backslash theater of others. All one word, theater with an R-E. You can leave a 90-second voicemail there. We play it on air if you have any questions or comments for us, like Hafiz did earlier today. Um, You can also go to... You can go to podcast at theaterofothers.com and leave us an email like he did. We are also on Facebook, Instagram, and we have the website. The gram, y'all. That's right. Yes. We love getting questions. We love getting commentary. And we're getting them a lot more than we have in the past. So we're just going ahead and love just it. putting them inside of episodes. So you got to listen in to yeah. every single episode. We may yeah. be answering your question there. Yeah. And so you have to subscribe, 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 so you can get, you know, you can get the post that we've uploaded. We, we come to you once a week. We're, we've been coming to you once a week for almost two years now. Almost two years. We are coming up on uh, on the two year anniversary in August, at the beginning of August. That's true. Uh, gone. Two yes, years. 100, 106 unbroken episodes. You've never, we've never missed a week. It's amazing the most consistent relationship we've had for the 10 years we've known each other. Um, yes, yes, yeah. yes, 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 yes. And uh, it's, it's very helpful for week. us. It's very helpful for us if you leave us a uh, something that Booty's Uber driver asks all the time, which is what, Booty? Leave us five star, five star, five star. I give you five yeah. star. You give me five star. And give us a comment if you like us, y'all. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Go ahead and review we, us. Look, okay. we, we, we can take review it. us. Give us some love. Give us some love. And five stars. Mm-hmm. Five star, five star. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Uh, we we have some we have some announcements. Uh, so uh, we, if you are listening to this on Monday, the day that it comes out, you will you will start to see this on our Instagram. Our, we are announcing our audio new play festival playwrights this week. If you're listening to this after Monday, you may have already seen these, but I will go ahead and announce them here. It's okay. Yeah, uh, we've got six amazing. Uh, amazing kind of playwrights that we are we are very excited to to work with, um, and so we have coming back, uh, and this is in no particular order, but we have coming back from uh, the play the audio new play festival last year. We have Justin Tan, Justin Tan, who Yay. was a co playwright of the Tales from the Arcadia, Tales from the Arcadia. Um, he's back with Yay. a new piece. A new piece doesn't have a title yet. Doesn't have a title yet. He's going to let me know what the title is, but he is back with a really kind of fascinating kind of docudrama piece. Justin, 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 Justin. The next player we have is Raya Basamala. Raya Basalama. Raya Basalama. With beautiful. Her piece. Oh my God, it's going to be so good, y'all. Raya's proposal was. 
Oh, so just like the title, beautiful. It's going to be so powerful. You must tune in for that. Our next playwright is Fraser Shepherdson with his piece Whale Song. Ah, yes, Fraser. He he met the brief, hundred percent. He was our first submission, and it was he met the brief. He met the brief. That's true. Our next. Our next piece is by Michael Gurl Maiello, Success and Contemporary Corporate Praxis. Yo, Michael, I was like getting, to- I, I was getting, y'all, this is going to be, I was, it's, it was triggering hilarious. me. It was, yeah. it was triggering me. It was, yeah. I mean, it, was it was a little, it's a little, true. it's a little too close to home. It's a, it's little, a little too, too close, close to home. home. Yeah. I mean, I know you said contemporary corporate praxis, but it, it may as well be academia <laughs> as well. I mean, it's, it's just a little too close <laughs> I was like, to home. Oh. This is a little too hard. We got to do this one. Oh. <laughs> yes. Uh, and our next playwright is Sylvia Gonzalez with Death of a Social Security Benefit. Oh, so beautiful. So beautiful. I mean, that, that one, I think, speaks to all of us when we're talking about, you know, the care of our elderly, you know. Yes, 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 yes. And last but certainly not least. Uh, a, certainly a, not least. A, uh, a many-time questioner of the podcast, James Reiser with Sugar Bag. Sugar <laughs> Bag is a new title. And Mark Nanup. Mark Nanup is James helping James Reiser him out. and Mark Nanup, they're working together. They are, yes. they are co-working on this one. So it's they are not be amazing. Co-work. They, are, they are working together. They are not co-writing it. James is writing it. They're not co-writing Mark, it? Mark is just acting as a kind of a dramaturg helping him out. Yes. Oh, Mark's acting as a dramaturg helping him out. Yes. Because it's a first, there's some First Nations content and Mark is going to support him in that. And I think that's awesome. So yep. exciting. So those are our amazing playwrights. Uh, they are going to spend the next six months banging out something amazing. And yeah, this, uh, the Audio New Play Festival will come to you in September and October. So you got to subscribe so that you can make sure that you can get them in. Subscribe, subscribe, your, subscribe. In your phone or listening device when they come in. Yay. So um, I have a feeling you're going to see a lot more of me in this country living. Mr. <laughs> Marple. That's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. The city boy is kicking up the shit. Yeah. And and this time, hopping this time the, a month from now, on I, the, the ute. <laughs> this time a month from now, I'll be living in the country with you at some point as, as well, right? Yes, you'll be loving it. Oh, and it's going to be cold here too. You're going to be so happy. Okay, All it's right. the weather you love. It's the weather you love. It's the weather you love. <laughs> it's so good to see you. It's always great to see you. I love you. <laughs> love you too. <laughs> Give my love to Fen and Kali. And you give your love to Akshay and Obama. I'll give my love. So I'm gonna you're gonna give my love to yours, and I'm gonna give my love to mine. And your love yeah. is just gonna hover above all of us. Exactly. That's how it is. <laughs> yes. I don't I don't give my love out. I have other people give their loves out for me. <laughs> yes. This love is in lieu. Yeah, like in lieu of flowers, you know, here's a card. <laughs> Have you colonized do- my a, love? <laughs> a donation was made in your on your behalf. <laughs> a donation oh, of, of yeah. Adam's love <laughs> yeah. was made on your yeah. behalf. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> yes. Donation of Adam's love has been made on your behalf. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And for the rest of y'all, we'll be back next week. Most definitely. Talk to you later. Bye. Thanks for joining us this week on the Theater Brothers Podcast. Make sure to visit our website, theaterbrothers.org, where you can subscribe to the show in iTunes, Stitcher, or via RSS, so you'll never miss a show. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out, too. A special thank you to Purple Planet for the music you've heard. The Theater Brothers creates a shared community of artists and audiences for the purposes of exploring the most profound issues of our lives and times. We believe the play watches the audience. The audience is necessary, and they are witness to what happens. And you get to be witness to us making that happen. The purpose of this podcast is to open up our process and let you in. We're peeling back the curtain, so to speak, and encouraging you to follow along, to ponder, prod, and question, to join us and criticize us if need be. Being a witness is no passive task and requires much from you. Are you up for the journey? Be sure to tune in next week for our next journey. <laughs>